Hello again, fight fans, and welcome to episode number 202 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast, live from the MLB studios just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. This is the year-end episode, the year in boxing for 2019. What a great year it was, man. We got a bunch of stuff for you guys tonight. I'm so excited to be coming to you live from the MOB studios. I've worked my butt off to get this thing up and running. It is great. Best thing about the studio setup is I got some sound effects. We have uh, Jim Lampley with us tonight. Bang! 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 That's right, Jim. Bang! Bang, baby! It happened! It happened! It happened! The MOB studio is up and running. All right, guys. Uh, so, obviously, I'm excited. I'm happy as hell to have this thing working. And um, It happened! It happened! It only took a couple years to get this going, right? Um, so, I'm figuring everything out, obviously. Um, some operator air here t- as we got things started a few minutes late. So, apologies for that. Uh, let us know how the volume sounds, how uh, the audio sounds, obviously, the different levels. If we need to turn sound effects and music up, down, whatever. If the lighting looks good, I'm, I, you guys got to be digging the background. I mean, how awesome is that? We've got magazines from various decades in the boxing world back here. Uh, it's just so cool that I contribute to several of these publications now all over the wall here in the studio. So um, year-end awards, all right? We're going to give the MOB awards today, uh, tell you guys who I think is the best in the year of boxing in uh, different categories. This is TNC for the week of January 4th, 2020. Holy shit, 2020 is almost here. Uh, Man, this year flew by. It's been a tough, tough year, but it's almost over, and now we get to celebrate a new one. I think 2020 is going to be awesome, man. All right, guys, your weekly fee. For this episode, I need you to get over to Spreaker, Spreaker, and follow us there, all right? We need more follows on Spreaker. What we're going to start doing now with this studio setup, we're not quite there yet. It's going to take a few weeks to get the logistics down, but we're going to go simultaneously live on YouTube and Spreaker. So for those of you who can't watch on YouTube live and you just want to hear the audio version live, you'll get that on Spreaker. Okay, and there's a chat on Spreaker and the whole nine. So I need you guys to go over the Spreaker, follow us there, like, review, all that good stuff. All right, and spread the word about that side of it. Uh, yes, so that is your episode, or sorry, your homework for episode 202. Let's get into some real quick news. We got a couple weeks worth of fights to review, and then we are going to, uh, we got, there's actually a card tomorrow night to preview. And then the year-end awards, all right? So uh, real quick, I want to talk about ratings just super, super quick. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I noticed a trend, and it's a concerning trend. I hope it's a one-off. But uh, Charlo Harrison, their rematch, peaked at 2.2 million viewers, which is a good rating, the second highest of 2019, uh, just below Charlo Korobov, though, last year, right? So a similar card, Last year, did a little bit higher, and it was the same thing with the Crawford-Kavaliowskis card. They had uh, Top Rank had a card on ESPN at the same time last year that was a little bit higher. So both year-end shows, both PBC on Fox and Top Rank on ESPN, slightly down from similar cards last year. So that's a little concerning to me. I don't know if maybe that's the DAZN effect 
or if it's just a one-off, but something to keep an eye on. So next year, hopefully, we don't see that trend continue. We see next year's year-end cards bump up slightly. We'll uh, check on that, right? We'll keep an eye on that. So the other big news over the last week, Wild or Fury 2, it's official. Tickets are on sale, and from what I'm hearing, they're moving pretty well. Uh, they're priced pretty high, so I don't know how all that's going to work out. Of course, there's a huge buy-in up front. Then there's a the secondary market, and depending on how those sales go, you might start seeing some discounts and everything as we get closer to the fight. Uh, so for right now, I've talked to some ticket broker friends of mine. What do we do? do should I tell people to buy in right now or to sit tight? My ticket broker contacts have told me, sit tight. Don't get those tickets quite yet. Let's see if the market fluctuates and kind of levels out and corrects itself, and you guys might be able to get some deals. All right, so I'll keep you posted on that. Okay, real quick rundown of some of these cards. Uh, February, December 20th, Match Room from Talking Stick Resort Arena in Phoenix. This was uh, on the zone. Daniel Jacobs, fifth-round retirement win over your Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. with a broken nose, leaves, quits. I'm going to say quit, and I don't like to use that word, but I do think he, he kind of walked away from that one when he could have stuck around. Uh, we've seen tons of fighters go forward with broken noses. I've seen guys bust their nose and sparring and continue. Um, so, look, I, I think Chavez Jr., look, what more do I need to say that hasn't been said over the last couple of weeks, really over the last couple of years? He's entitled, he's privileged, and he's pretty damn delusional. But you know what? I'm having fun trolling with Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. You guys who follow me on Twitter, you've seen me calling him the GOAT and having a little fun with that. I called him my fighter of the decade. I, and you know what? I'm going to keep rolling with that because Jr., for me, is nonstop entertainment. We all knew Jacobs was going to win that fight. The way he won it and then the chaos that happened after that where people were getting pelted with beers and everything else – it was like WWE shit. It was like a Rocky movie. It was entertaining as hell. So you know what? Junior's the GOAT. That's all I got to say. On the undercard, Julio Cesar Martinez Aguiar from Mexico. TKO 9 win over Christopher, Christopher Rosales out of Nicaragua. That was a damn good fight. So uh, Martinez wins the WBC flyweight title. Great performance from him. Definitely want to see him again. That following Saturday, December 21st, PBC on Fox, I just talked about Charlo Harrison. Harrison was winning that fight through 10 rounds. Charlo comes through with the knockout at the end. Tony Harrison has always been an unfocused, incomplete fighter, in my opinion. He's just missing that extra element that you need to be an elite level fighter. He just doesn't have it. So he had enough to box well and win rounds and was winning the fight against Charlo and then just fell asleep and got stupid in the 11th round and got knocked out. That's 100% on him. Props to Charlo for coming back from behind to win. But I think the first 10 rounds of this fight, seeing how Harrison did so well and how, I don't want to say amateurish, but how limited Charlo looked for a lot of those 10 rounds. It just goes to show you, man, that I think, um, honestly, Charlo's just limited. He's just, the, all the hype, he doesn't live up to it. Maybe he can develop. He looked somewhat improved from the first fight, but did he look that much improved to you? I expected more improvement from Charlo in this rematch with Harrison. So I was actually a bit let down. 
Um, there's still a lot of development that needs to happen there. And you can't call the Charlos prospects. They got titles. They're contenders now. They've had titles for a while. This is just who they are. I just think they're a, a, a half notch below where some people want to put them. Remember, there were people putting them on pound for pound list. They're just not on that level, in my opinion. Maybe I'll be proven wrong in the future. It wouldn't be the first time. Also on this card, uh, Colombian Oscar Escandone, who had lost four of his last five, scores a KO1 win over Jack Tapora of the Philippines with a body shot. That was an upset special in the featherweight attraction. And heavyweight action, Efe Ajagba gets off the canvas in the third round, scores a KO5 win over Iago Kaladze who is 0-4-1 of his last five. And Kalatse was down in the second and the fifth. His corner throws in the towel. So F.A. Ajagba, powerful, but boy, is he stiff and robotic and limited too. So he's a prospect, though. You expect that from prospects. He can work on that, right? So we'll see if he could develop a little bit better in 2020. But the hype train got going for him real quick and Stopped real fast. Let me see. Do I have a, um, hmm. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. That, that sound effect works perfect for that one. It happened. It happened. I'm just going to play some more Jim Lampley. Bang, 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 bang. I, I just, that never gets old. Bang, bang, <laughs> bang, bang, bang. You know what F.A. Ajagba is not? We are firemen. He's not a fireman. We are firemen. Not quite yet. The truth. You can't handle the truth. That's the truth, but he'll develop. He'll develop. Give him time. Okay, Monday 23rd, Monday, December 23rd from Kanagawa, Japan, ESPN Plus. Chocolatito Romo Gonzalez scores a TKO2 win. Also, Ryota Murata scores a TKO5 win over Steven Butler. Uh, Murata is still really, really stiff in the upper body. Entertaining, fun. Uh, punches and bunches. When he starts early, when he gets started early and gets the engine and the motor running early, he's entertaining, but but limited. And if he ends up fighting Canelo, uh, he's going to get pieced up pretty bad. I even think um, Demetrius Andre, I think, would box circles around him. Charlo would be interesting because I think he'd land on Charlo. Golovkin, at this stage of his career, that would be a hell of a fun fight. If Golovkin were to fight Murata, over in Tokyo next year. That would be awesome. Also, Kenshiro Taraji, TKO4 win over Filipinos, uh, Philippines, Randy Petalcorin, the seventh offense of his WBC junior flyweight title. So, Kenshiro, people are talking about him being on the pound for pound list. Now, I think he's right in the bubble, just a little short of that. Just a little short of that. I want to see him unify in 2020. He was scheduled to have a unification fight for this fight, but his opponent got injured, and that's why he ended up fighting uh, Pelicorn. But next year, 2020, why not unify with the WBA titleist Hiroto Kayoguchi? I think that'd be awesome. All Japanese fight. Then we can start talking pound for pound list. South African Maruti Matailane scores a TKO9 win over Akira Yagashi, the third defense of his IBF flyweight title. He wants to unify in 2020 against WBO titleist Kosei Tanaka or WBC titleist Julio Cesar Martinez, who we just talked about. So that would be awesome. Sign me up for any of that. Okay, last Saturday, just a couple nights ago, here in Atlanta, State Farm Arena, Mayweather Promotions on Showtime. 
Jean Pascal scores a split decision win in the co-main over Badu Jack. The first defense of his WBA who gives a shit title, light heavyweight title. Uh, look, the crowd did not like this decision. Two judges had it for Pascal. One had it for uh, Jack. I did a ringside recap on the Ring Digital uh, YouTube channel. So find that and you guys can see what I thought right there live just after the fight. I uh, walked up into the stands as they were shutting everything down by the ring and did a quick video. It's like six, seven minutes. So check that out. I thought watching this live from ringside that Jack won, se- I'm sorry, Pascal did enough to win seven rounds. I was cool with the 114, 112 score. Both guys were dropped at one point in the fight. Pascal started faster. He started sharper. He built up an early lead. He won the majority of the first half of the fight. Jack, as always, started slow, came on late, poured it on in the 12th round, dropped Pascal, made it really interesting, really close, but in my opinion, fell just a bit short. If it was a draw, I wouldn't have been mad. You could even make an argument Jack won. I mean, according to CompuBox, and I know a lot of you guys hate CompuBox, but some of you guys do enjoy the stats. They are interesting. According to CompuBox, Jack landed 120 jabs, Pascal only 35. Jean Pascal's never been a jabber. Never been a jabber. But if you look at overall punches, overall punches, Pascal outlanded Jack, according to CompuBox, in seven of the 12 rounds, mostly in the first half of the fight. So the the rounds that Jack won, he won big. The rounds that Pascal won, he won close. But I was cool with him getting the nod. All right, main event, Gervonta Davis, first fight at lightweight, barely made weight. He had to weigh in two hours later to make the weight. He missed the weight the first time. Up against Yoriokas Gamboa out of Cuba and scores the TKO 12 win. Dropped Gamboa three times, apparently, and this has been substantiated from several um, Spanish-language media outlets. Gamboa ruptured his right Achilles tendon when he got dropped in the second round. So this badass, who, who honestly is a featherweight fighting at lightweight, fought his best years as a pro as a featherweight a decade ago, fought, I believe, as a bantamweight in the amateurs when he was really a standout fighter, a truly elite-level fighter, This dude fights 10 rounds with a ruptured Achilles tendon and at times puts leather on Gervonta Davis. If you saw Gervonta Davis in the post-fight press conference, he had some bruises and marks on his face. And Gamboa's never been a hard puncher. He was a pretty decent puncher at featherweight, but at lightweight, he's feather-fisted. And he put some marks on Gervonta Davis. Now, Gervonta Davis is kind of fair-complected. He bruises up easy and marks up easy, but still... That's surprising. So there were some defensive liabilities I saw in Javante Davis. Being This is my first time seeing him up close like this. And there were several things I noticed that, look, if, if a weekend warrior amateur like me is noticing him, a true professional is going to chew the kid up. Now, he gave himself, I think, a C-minus grade for the fight. He's being honest. He knows that it wasn't his best performance, but he needs to tighten up on some things. Uh, when he comes in, of course, he's a southpaw, right? So when he comes in with the straight left hand, he loops it. He comes in wide. His chin's up. He opens up. He doesn't keep a small target. I mean, he's a counterpuncher's dream, a counterpuncher's dream. So uh, I, I just think that there are some things they need to tighten up if he's going to go up against the elite-level lightweights. But here's the thing, guys. He's not going to. 
Leonard LOB and, and Floyd Mayweather, Davis's management, they're spinning and they're doing what all promoters do to a certain degree. They're not going to fight an elite level lightweight next year. They're going to fight Leo Santa Cruz on pay-per-view. Leo Santa Cruz, what did he start at his career? Did he start at Bantamweight? Maybe Super Bantamweight? I think he's at 130. Just moved to 130. He's fought nobody there. And now he's going to move to 135. So this basically what Mikey Garcia did for Errol Spence, Leo Santa Cruz is going to do for Javante Davis. He's going to be paid handsomely, some under the table, but he's going to be paid handsomely for it. This is the business of boxing. I'm telling you guys right now, if you're waiting for Javante Davis to fight an elite level lightweight, it's not happening in 2020. And personally, I don't have a problem with that if you're developing the kid. But if you're going to put him on pay-per-view and start talking about him being one of the bigger attractions in the sport, you got to fight an elite level fighter in your division. He's not going to do that next year. So look, I'm not trying to beat up on him or Mayweather promotions or anything like that. Uh, I'm, I'm, Full disclosure, I'm doing a piece right now on Gervonta Davis for the next issue of The Ring magazine. So we're covering him. We're, we're being more than fair. I'm just giving you guys the lowdown. That is the reality of the situation. Speaking of Ring magazine, real quick, new issues out. Um, and by the way, I got to say uh, congratulations to our friend Lena Baker, who took this picture that made the cover. Awesome shot, Lena. Truly, truly great shot. Congratulations on that. But so this is the February issue, and I want to show you guys uh, my latest piece on fighter safety. I believe it's page 50. Uh, let me flip to it. 51, I do believe. It's a seven-page feature. I want you guys to check out, all right? Page 51 of the latest issue. If you guys have it, check it out. I worked really, really hard on this piece. Seven pages in the latest issue of Ring Magazine, I talked to several people. I spent hours interviewing different experts that are in different facets of the boxing industry. And uh, both you know, behind the scenes and directly involved with fighters uh, in the mix. And I just poured my heart into it. I think it's like over 4,000, maybe 4,500 words. It's an extensive, exhaustive piece, and I'm pretty proud of it. And so check that out, all right? Okay, real quick. Let's preview. We actually have a card tomorrow. Now, unfortunately, there's no American TV, but maybe you can find a stream somewhere. These uh, New Year's Eve Japanese cards are always fun. Tomorrow in Tokyo, we have three WBO uh, world titles. WBO flyweight champion Kosei Tanaka going up against a Chinese fighter, Wulan Teolohazi, his third defense. Tanaka has held the WBO title at 105, 108, and now 112. Here's another of these Japanese fighters that's really good, possibly could be on the bubble for pound-for-pound pound list, but he's got to unify. He's got to fight one of the other top fighters in the division. I want to see that with him. Uh, WBO super flyweight titleist Kazuka Ioka going up against Puerto Rican Javier Cintron, son of... Kermit Cintron, remember him? Kermit Cintron is old enough to have a son who's a professional fighter. Damn. This is uh, Ioka's first defense. Now, Ioka has held the WBC title at 105, the WBA at 108, the WBA at 112, and now the WBO at 115. So this dude has held titles in four different divisions. But again, 
I want to see him unified. That's one thing with the Japanese fighters. They get a title and sit on it. I want to see these guys start unifying and fighting more on the global scene. I understand the, the, the scene in Japan is growing, and it's, it's hot. I get it. But, man, get on the global scene a little bit more. Let's start unifying with these other uh, champions in other parts of the world. Vacant WBO Super Bantamweight title also on the line. Yusaku Kuga going up against Filipino fighter John Rael Ramonal. I'm probably butchering his names. So they're fighting for that title too. Okay, guys, so that is what's up tomorrow in Tokyo. If you could find a stream of that, highly recommend it. I think it's going to be Can I at least get laid? You know what I mean? I've been robbed of most of my money. Can I at least get a blowjob? Damn, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. The meatloaf! We want it now! The meatloaf! (laughs) What other sound effects do I have on here? Uh, You guys remember when Carl Lewis tried to sing the national anthem? And the Rockets! Red Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Some of you younger guys will have no idea what that is. Look it up. It's hilarious. Carl Lewis, one of the greatest track stars of all time, tried to sing the national anthem. It was glorious. By the way, I'm having a, uh, some Ciroc here. I'm sipping on some brandy uh, in my brand new studio because it's a celebration, baby. This has been a long time coming. Let's go ahead and uh, have a round of applause for MOB Studios. <laughs> Salute, guys. Ah. And applause are in order because let's talk about my picks for the best of the year, all right? And then maybe we'll get to some Q&A here. We got Tiff in studio just off camera, and she can get uh, all you guys' questions there. Canada Chris asking, do I remember when Roseanne did the anthem? Hell yeah. How could you not? That was hilarious. I just, for me, when Carl Lewis did it, it, it just, he took it really serious. Roseanne knew she couldn't sing. She was just being crazy. She was being an idiot. But Carl Lewis went up there like, you mean, I'm going to break it down. You know, it, it, he thought he was, he was being all smooth. And everyone was so excited, and he went up there and just butchered it. And then he tried to hit a high note, and his voice just went out. And he just went, and the Rockets! You know, his voice cracked like he was going through puberty. And the Rockets! It It was just Uh the best. And the crowd immediately started booing him. I'm telling you, find it on YouTube, guys. Okay. 2019 comeback of the year. Now. There's two fighters I think you could choose from here. But for me, whoo, these lights are hot. For me, I'm going to go with Jamel Herring. Now, you could also go with Julian J. Rock Williams, right? But the reason why I went with Herring is because he fought twice this year. Uh, J. Rock had a fantastic performance against Jarrett Hurd, but that was way at the beginning of the year. And then through no fault of his own, he sat on ice for the rest of the year. Jean Pascal, also another great candidate. Uh, I think Jean Pascal certainly is up there too. But for me, Jamel Herring, when you consider where he was, I mean, he had two losses in a row a couple years back, right? And he got to a point where a lot of promoters, his, his contract ran out with PBC, and a lot of people were looking at him as basically an opponent at that level of his career. Uh, he was working, I think, with Adrian Broner's camp, and they kind of were looking past him. He kind of had to train himself his last couple fights with that crew. Comes over the top rank, comes down in weight in his 30s, went from 135 
to 130, wins a world title, defends it, and now he is set up for big money in 2020. He might fight Carl Frampton. That would be a big fight for him. He might fight in a unification fight in 2020. He's set up for great stuff. And when you when you look at where he was, okay, that's why I'm going to give him comeback fighter of the year. I hear you guys about Jean Pascal. Here's why I didn't pick him. Jean Pascal is a former champion. He's had titles before. He's had he's had higher heights than where he is right now. He had a good year, better year than anyone expected, but he's been a champion before, right? He's seen as as a good fighter at his best. Jamel Herring was an afterthought. Again, people thought he was going to be an opponent in his previous management. That's what they were starting to use him as, and he saw the writing on the wall, and that's why he made a change. But he was being seen as an opponent to build prospects' resumes off of. Now he's world titleist, and he's set up for big money, big business next year. He headlined cards. He went from being an opponent to headlining events on ESPN. Okay, that's just a huge shift for him, and that's why I'm going to go with Jamel Herring. I hear you with Jean Pascal. I also hear you when it comes to Julian J. Rock Williams. Those guys, big, big comeback years. I'm just saying, when you look at the climb Herring had this year and it's going to continue into 2020, I think it's pretty damn amazing. He also just happens to be an awesome guy, a great person. Um, Upset of the year. This is pretty easy, right? Come on. Who doesn't have Andy Ruiz, TKO7, over Anthony Joshua. That's not just the upset of the year. That's the upset of the decade, okay? I don't think it's as big of an upset as when Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson. I don't even think it's as big as an upset as some of the other heavyweight, big uh, big upsets at the heavyweight division that we've seen in the last 20, 30 years. I, I just don't. It's just not there. But it's absolutely the upset of the decade. It was huge. It was absolutely huge. And that... Also brings us into the best round of the year. The third round of that fight, man. If you weren't out of your seat, either jumping up and down, cheering, or crying, if you're an Anthony Joshua fan or whatever it is, you're not a human being. I mean, in that round, Anthony Joshua was down twice. Andy Ruiz was down once. To see, when Andy Ruiz got dropped, everyone was basically like, eh, yeah, okay, this is going according to script. Won't be much longer now before AJ finishes him. And then seconds later, AJ's on the canvas. You're like, what? And seconds after that, he's on the canvas again. We are firemen. Yes. We are firemen. Yes, Andy Ruiz we are firemen. was a fireman that night. The meatloaf. We want it now. Andy Ruiz. The meatloaf. He loves his meatloaf. The, the man loves his meatloaf. That's what I say. There was a lot of bang-bang in that fight. That was a great round, man. Round three of uh, Ruiz-Joshua won. Clearly, clearly the round of the year. Let's talk about the event of the year. And here's where I think people are going to disagree. We're going to have some disagreements. But I think the rematch between AJ and Ruiz, that has to be the event of the year. Number one, it was the most anticipated fight. Number two, it was the biggest purse. $100 million plus. I think it was a $40 million site fee, okay? Nothing came close to that. Nothing. So it was the biggest event financially. 
I think it did worldwide over 20 million live views, or I think it was over 30 million live views if you account illegal streams and all that, if you count all that. Uh, it did a huge rating globally. And then the stakes, obviously, were huge. Also, the controversy of the event, because it was in Saudi Arabia, the deplorable human rights conditions there, the hypocrisy of taking a, a prize fight over there, uh, some of the criticism for some women in the media that traveled over there to cover the event, but play social justice warrior on their Twitter accounts, right? And I'm not singling anybody out when I say that. I'm saying just in general. The, the hypocrisy many saw with Eddie Hearn bringing an event over there, right? All of that. Whether it's controversy, good, bad, ugly, money, everything involved makes it the event of the year, in my opinion. The event of the year doesn't necessarily have to be all positive, right? It, it could also include controversy. In fact, that makes an event bigger a lot of times. So here's my runner-up, though, and this is where you guys are going to slap me. Some of you are going to laugh at me. I'm telling you, the KSI Logan Paul, that fight. I didn't like it. I thought it was a sham. I thought it was insane. Yeah. But this was an event between two YouTube guys that have 40 million subscribers. This was a pro debut between two guys who don't even have amateur records. It was watched by millions of people live. And these guys got seven figure paid. It was 900 grand was the purse, but there was upside. They got seven figure paydays for their pro debut. Again, I'm not saying the event of the year has to be good or positive. It can be shitty. But just think of a more insane event that we have seen in boxing in recent years. You have to go to Mayweather-McGregor, right? That, that was an insane event, but at least McGregor had some martial arts background. He didn't have boxing martial arts, but he had you know wrestling and, and um, kickboxing or whatever. So, so that was an insane event. But this event with KSI and Logan Paul was equally insane. And these guys were complete. I'm not even going to say amateurs. I'm an amateur. I'd beat the shit out of both of them. And I'm 40 years old. These guys got seven-figure paydays. And, and millions of people watched. Thousands of people attended. It was a complete douchebag disaster inside Staples Center. There were porn stars ringside pissing on the floor. Literally drunk pissing on the floor, posting videos of it on social. It was insane. So that is my runner-up for event of the year. Some of you may not like it, but you tell me a crazier event in boxing this year. I don't think you can. So, okay, prospect of the year. This is another one where we might get some arguments, but my runner-up is Philadelphia's Jerron Ennis, who was 2-0 with two KOs this year. He's not my winner, though, and I'll tell you why. He only had two fights. Now, it's not because he didn't want to fight. He had a contract dispute the first half, I think like two-thirds of the year. So that kept him out of the ring until in the fall, like I think late summer and then in the fall. So he just wasn't active enough. He's going to be way more active in 2020. His contract situation's worked out. In fact, he's got a fight scheduled January 10th in Atlantic City. I think he's going to have a breakout 2020. I like Jerron Ennis a lot, but Virgil Ortiz Jr., he's the prospect of the year because when I look at prospect of the year, okay, I think 
Who graduated from prospect to contender? Who is ready to contend for a title the following year? That's Virgil Ortiz Jr. Four and O, oh, four knockouts this year. Graduated to contender status. Now, is he ready to fight for a title right now, today? No. He needs a couple more fights. But by the end of 2020, he will fight for a world title. He's right there. So he's ready to contend. He's no longer a prospect. He's a contender now. That's why he's my prospect of the year in 2020. And I think he ran away with it. I honestly think that you can't really vote for anybody else. I understand Daniel Dubois, Israel Madrimov. I think Madrimov might win it next year. Uh, he's going to have more fights next year. Dubois still needs some seasoning. Virgil Ortiz Jr. is just further along, guys. He's he's there, man. He, and he's he's legit. I want to see him fight a real fighter in his weight class, though, not another guy moving up in weight. So I think he'll do that in 2020. All right, knockout of the year. Man, there's plenty. There's plenty we can choose from, right? But I thought about this. Um, I think Deontay Wilder, KO7 over Luis Ortiz, has to be knockout of the year. There were more bone-crunching, chilling knockouts that we saw. There were. There's several knockouts that were more concussive, more explosive, even though that was an explosive, concussive knockout. But here's the difference, guys. That knockout came in a fight where Deontay Wilder, you can make an argument, was shut out through six rounds. But even if you felt he won a round or two, he was losing the fight. It was a come-from-behind knockout win, which to me adds levels to it because that increases the drama. He was losing, right? I think all three judges had him down, I do believe. A lot of people thought he was being shut out and down 60-54 to 54 when that knockout came. So that adds drama to it. Also, Luis Ortiz, I don't think he's an elite level heavyweight. When I say elite, I'm talking top three, four, five. Okay. He's just short of that, in my opinion. And I get it. He's 623 years old. I get it. But he is a top 10 heavyweight. He is a top 10 heavyweight. So this knockout came in a, in a fight against a top 10 fighter in a championship fight with massive stakes on the line because that Fury rematch was on the line. Wilder was losing. He needed a knockout to win, and he got it. So for all those reasons, plus the highlight reel, one punch, it really was a one-hitter-quitter. One shot, right hand, Ortiz is down, doesn't beat the count. That's your knockout of the year, man. I, I, I don't think that you can top that because of all the reasons I mentioned, right? So that's your knockout of the year. Let's talk about trainer of the year. So at Ring Magazine, we voted for Eddie Reynoso. Now, that pissed a lot of people off because he trains Canelo Alvarez. Canelo has a lot of haters. I get it. But Eddie also trains Oscar Valdez, who's a good fighter, Ryan Garcia, good fighter, and some other guys, okay? I think he's a damn good trainer, and I, I'm cool with Eddie Reynoso if you think he's the guy. You can also make an argument for Shane McQuigan. He did a great job. You know, Josh Taylor had a good year. You could make a great argument for Stephen Breadman Edwards, who I think is criminally underrated as a trainer. And what he did with Julian J. Rock Williams against Jarrett Hurd. But that's just one fight. One fighter. 
For me, my trainer of the year in 2019 is Brian Bomack McIntyre. And I'll give you the reasons why. Number one, look at what he has done with Jamel Herring since Jamel Herring joined their team. Jamel Herring's my comeback fighter of the year. I talked about him earlier, right? He has a world title now. He's going to unify, or possibly he's going to be in a unification fight next year. He's set up for big business. Complete change in Jamel Herring's fight style. Look how confident this guy is now. And remember, guys, he moved down in weight, not as a 20-year-old, but he's in his 30s. He's a grown-ass man. Those of you watching this that are over 30, you know how damn hard it is to go down in weight and improve your performance. This dude went down and got better. Bomack helped him do that. But also, he trains this guy you might have heard of. I don't know, Terrence Bud Crawford, who's arguably the best fighter in the world. Pound for pound. Now, Bud didn't have an exceptional year. He fought against Kavaliowskis. He was dropped in that fight. I get it. I get it, guys. He fought Amir Khan. That was on pay-per-view. It should have never been pay-per-view. That was atrocious that that was on pay-per-view. I get it. But he is still arguably the best fighter in the world pound for pound. And in my opinion, clearly the best welterweight in the world right now, especially given all the questions we have about Errol Spence and where he's at. So when you train the best fighter in the world, it's between Crawford and Lomachenko, in my opinion. It's between the two of them. When you train the best fighter in the world and you're making other dudes better, not as a prospect, Jamel Herring, not a prospect. He's a grown-ass man, right? He was a guy in his 30s, a contender. You made that man better. That's trainer of the year, guys. Bomack is the trainer of the year, in my opinion. Okay, fight of the year, 2019. Again, we have several great, great choices to choose from, or nominees, which is a good problem to have, okay? But I thought about this one, long and hard. And I, I just can't top Naoya Inouye, unanimous decision win over Nonito Donaire. Here are my reasons why. And if you have another fight, again, there's several you could choose from. I ain't mad at you, all right? I understand if you disagree. But let's talk about the fight itself. Inouye was cut in the second round, so he suffered a cut. I believe it was the first time he was cut, at least cut this badly. Said he was suffering double vision, 10 rounds of the fight. So he's seeing double vision, right? Fractured orbital bone. In a way, has a fractured orbital bone. So fractured orbital bone, cut, seeing double vision, broken nose. He has all those injuries. Continues fighting. Drops Donaire in the 11th round. Almost has him out of there. Somehow, Nonito Donaire makes it to his feet in the 11th round. And I get it. Some people are like, oh, the ref should have stopped it. It was a long count. The ref got in the way. I don't give a shit. I'm glad the ref... Let him continue. I'm glad we got a 12th round. Fantastic fight. Donaire, the future Hall of Famer, the proven cleanest fighter in the sport. I'm going to go ahead and take it a step further. The proven cleanest athlete in professional sports. Yeah, that's Donito Donaire. Future Hall of Famer turns in an outstanding performance, passes the torch to a, a, a new star, 
Basically, what Vladimir Klitschko did for Anthony Joshua, that's what Nonito Donaire did for Naoya Inoue. Oh, and by the way, this was the finale of the World Boxing Super Series tournament, where the best fought the best for over a year. Couldn't have had higher stakes. This was in Japan, where Inoue's from, obviously. He's a huge star there. The stakes couldn't have been higher for him. We just talked about, at the top of this show, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. quitting with a broken nose, right? In a way, I'm going to repeat this, broken nose, fractured orbital bone, double vision, cut, bleeding, fights on, drops and almost stops his man. The most experienced opponent he's ever faced, amateur and pro. Fight of the year, 2019. Oh, and by the way, it was on in the morning. I got to wake up. On a Thursday morning, I believe it was. Was it a Thursday morning? Drinking my morning coffee, watching this shit before I went out for my morning run. Not bad. Pretty damn cool. So, off that performance. Fighter of the year. Naoya, the monster, in a way. Now, he only fought twice this year. I get it. But he won a tournament. And I'm sorry. In my opinion, when you enter a tournament and you're willing to fight the best and you do fight the best and you participate in a fight of the year where you are seriously injured and pull it out against a future Hall of Famer who on that night would have beat just about everybody else in the damn division. Yeah, you're the fighter of the year. So Monster is the fighter of the year in my opinion. Now again... If you have somebody else, there's several candidates we could choose from. I ain't mad at you. But in my humble opinion, what the monster did in 2019 was pretty damn special. He wasn't a runaway for the award. Like last year when Alexandra Usyk won it, he was a runaway. No, you couldn't vote for anybody else. This year, you can make a legitimate argument for a few different guys. You really can. In Ring Magazine, voted for Canelo Alvarez. I disagreed with that. I voted for Naoya Inoue. That's who I thought should be the fighter of the year. But, yeah, it was close this year. It was close. But for me, Inoue eked it out for all the reasons I mentioned. And um, I think he's a special fighter. That fight against Donaire is going to make him so much better. I can't wait. I I feel bummed because Luis Neri... If he wasn't a drug cheat and a weight bully, and he could have actually stayed at Bantamweight, a fight between Neri and Inouye would have been really, really great. We're never going to get it. But Inouye is going to continue to move up in weight. At some point, we're going to see him fight Emmanuel Navarrete at 122. That's going to be fun. He just signed with Top Rank. He's going to be fighting over here in America again soon. Top Rank knows what they're doing. They don't sign guys that they don't think are special. They think he's special. So that's it, guys, for my MOB awards. Uh, let's see. Do we have any questions? Tiff, is there anything in the chat? I can't see the chat right here. Is there any W uh, World Series boxing in 2020? Uh, one of you guys is asking, will there be a World Boxing Super Series in 2020? I don't know, man. I, I would think. I would th- Look, the tournament's been successful the first couple of years. There's been a lot of hiccups. I think having three divisions is too much. I think they should keep it to two divisions. They still got to have the cruiserweight finale for season two. That's supposed to happen in the first quarter of 2020. But 
I would hope it sticks around as long as they can get the funding together, which I think internationally they should be able to do. I think they'll be able to put put it together again. They just got to pick two divisions and keep it to that. They were talking about adding a, a female division. I, I just possibly they could because those pay scales will will uh, be easier to to manage. But uh, the logistics gets tougher the more divisions you add. Keep it at two. But I think it's been a great thing for boxing, man. Anything else? What is the robbery of the year? Shit. Guys, you're going to have to help me with that. Robbery of the year. That's a damn good question. I can't, you know, off the top of my head, guys, I honestly can't pick one. You're going to stump me with that because I honestly can't think of a fight where I looked at it and said, holy shit, this is a real robbery. Broner was robbed, says Piglet Smith. That's hilarious. Smith Rider is a good one. I think uh, Mungia versus um, the Irish kid. A lot of people thought that he got ripped off, but a lot of you are saying Smith Rider. So Smith Rider might be one. Um, yeah, I'd have to, because I'd have to, 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 Hogan, yeah. So Mungia Hogan, a lot of people felt that was a robbery. Uh, Smith Rider is definitely up there on the top of the list. I'm just, I think I'm forgetting one. I'd have to sit there and uh, look at all the, the candidates for that. Figueroa over Molina. Let's see, Michael Mendiola says. Hmm. I saw one of you guys was asking about the crowd at Atlanta um, Saturday. You look, it, it was dead until the, for the co main, it started to trickle in a little bit. But everybody came in right before the main event. It was a leg- it felt like a legitimate fourteen thousand. It might have been twelve, thirteen. They might have been adding a little bit, but it felt like a legitimate packed crowd in there. I see a few of you guys asking me about my dream fight for twenty twenty. The fight that I want to see is between Errol Spence and Terence Crawford. We're not going to get it. Um, what else would be? No, I, I think the accident's going to delay it even more. But do you think it's going to impact his fighting ability moving forward? Tiffany's, Tiffany's asking me, will the accident affect Errol Spence's fighting abilities moving forward? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he's young enough that he's going to recover from that, and he'll be okay. He seemed slow when he was responding. Yeah, he seemed a little slow in his interview the other day on PBC. But, you know, he, he's never been great on the mic, and he was – probably pretty nervous because there was a lot riding. It was his first public appearance since the accident. So, um, you know what, as far as a dream fight next year, we're look, I'm excited for Lomachenko Lopez. I think that's going to be a good fight. Um, that's going to be fun, man. I, I wouldn't necessarily call that a super fight, but I'm definitely looking forward to that. I think you're going to get Wilder and Fury twice. Actually, we talked to Tim Smith, who's one of the, top guys at PBC Saturday at the, the tank fight. And I asked him about that. Are you guys going to do that fight twice? And he said, well, if somebody gets knocked out in the first round, February 22nd, no. But if it's a close fight, yeah, we're going to do it again in the summer. So you're going to get that fight twice. And look, if the rematch between Wilder and Fury is good and they do it again, you know, hey, that that's a good quality matchup. Promoter of the year. 
Okay, you know what? Promoter of the year, that's a good one. I, you, top rank had a down year, in my opinion. The thing with top rank, they have a down year and a big year, a down year and a big year. That's just the way it always works for them. They build and set up and develop in one year, and then everything falls into place the following year, and they repeat. This was a development year for them. 2020 is going to be a good year for top rank. This year, I think Matchroom was the promoter of the year. Matchroom Boxing really improved with their American cards. They had a couple of good, successful American cards. They're developing that wing of Matchroom Boxing. They um, had the big event of the year with that rematch. So, yeah, I I think you got to give it to Matchroom. Oh, we got a super chat pledge from Fried Pork. He says, congrats on your new studio, Mike. Thank you so much, Fried Pork. You're making me hungry with that name. <laughs> All right, let's get some more sound effects going here. Let's see. The meatloaf! <laughs> we want it now! The meatloaf! Which one? William Ho. I don't think I have that one on here. No, you do? Nuh-uh. I thought you did. Nope, we don't have that one on here. I wish I was 50 years younger you and I'd kick here. your ass. Oh, that's... Bang! Oh, I'm going to have so much fun with this shit. Oh, my God. Uh, Goodfellas Pulp Fiction says, Paulie Malignaggi's commentary is like music to my ears. I didn't get to uh, to see, obviously, Paulie's commentary, but I heard it was spot on. SSB28, who is the disappointment of the year in 2019? Damn. Good question. Man, you guys are going to have to help me with that one, too, because I'm just, you know, off the top of my head, I think Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., because that just happened. <laughs> But, um, I, you know, honestly, yeah, Mindiola, yeah, he said disappointment of the year is Andy Ruiz for sure. Yeah, you know what, Mindiola, I, I agree with you because he was he, he was almost like the, the breakout star of the year and the disappointment of the year all at the same time. You know what I'm saying? And then I see Goodfellas is saying Keith Thurman. That's interesting. Anton M with a good one. Tyson Fury. Dude, you know what? All things considered, I think Anton's spot on with that. Anton's right. Tyson Fury's the disappointment of the year. Look at who he fought this year. To me, considering, you know, he's ranked. Many publications have him ranked as the the top heavyweight in the world. And what did he do this year? He didn't do dick. So, yeah, you know what? You could definitely make an argument for Tyson Fury. SSB28 is saying Callum Smith. You know what? That's another great shout out. Callum Smith looked like stir fried shit in his last fight. Between us guys, I'll let you in on a little secret. He's having a lot of trouble making 168. He's going to be at 75 soon enough, but they might go for a cash shot with Canelo first. Uh, so I think he was definitely a disappointment. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. Don't you just love Larry Merchant? Oh, we got some requests for uh, Harold Letterman clips. We got some. Don't worry. We just don't have them loaded yet. But I got some. (laughs) Okay, Jim. I got that one. We'll have that one pretty soon. Uh, Jeremiah Prester says, Leo Santa Cruz was crap too. Damn, bro. That's on point. SSB28 says, Mikey Garcia was crap. You know what? He's right too. You guys are you guys are definitely hitting some uh, some good suggestions, man. Can I at least get laid? You know what I mean? I've been robbed of most of my money. Can I at least get a blowjob? Yeah, the man just wants a blowjob. 
I'm trying to think what interview Mike Tyson actually said that in. I can't remember. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right, guys, that is the MLB Awards for 2019. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the applause. As I have some more of my, uh, my brandy here. Guys, I can't thank you enough, man. It has been uh, a process getting this together, okay? But we got it together. We did a couple of test runs with the new software and everything. Hopefully, this audio is sounding great. Um, great. The, uh, we got this. The walls here are all soundproofed. I built soundproofing everywhere. It is awesome. Um, the lighting and everything, I think, is spot on. So... Now we're just going to get the Skype feature set up. That's the next to thing on the to-do list. We're working on it right now. We just needed to test out the, uh, the video and make sure everything was working. So the next item on the list is the Skype. And then you guys will be able to call in. And this will be a conversation two ways. You won't just be listening to me rant and answer uh, chat room questions. So we will still keep the live chat going on YouTube. And then, of course, we'll have a live chat on Spreaker, too, because, again, we'll be going live on both. If you guys want to get your question answered, though, you'll probably have to bump it to a super chat because I'm going to have questions on both chat, both chat rooms at the same time. And then I'm going to be taking phone calls. So um, anyway, we'll keep all that going. Tiffany says she will be here to help. So, all right, guys, you know what? Happy New Year. Be safe. Be smart, but have a good time. Have fun. You've earned it. You deserve it. And we will uh, hang out again early next year. So we're not going to have an episode this Thursday because there's no fights this weekend. They don't want to go up against the NFL wildcard weekend, right? I think that's this weekend. There's no way boxing wants to mess with that. So we won't have a show Thursday. We won't have a show next Tuesday or next Monday, sorry, because we'll have nothing to review. But next Thursday We'll be back from here at MOB Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, we'll preview what's coming up next weekend, all right? So on behalf of myself and Tiffany, Happy New Year, guys. And we'll see you at the fights. And we'll see you at the fights.